So today I, I want to uh, open the word of the Lord to you. And what I would like to do or what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to do uh, as you turn to Philippians 4 verse 19 is to give you an opportunity to receive from God. It's to give you an opportunity to receive from God. Um, an opportunity for you to receive from God. How many think that's a good thing? Now, if UPS or FedEx, to competition, amen, delivers a package to your house that you didn't authorize, don't receive it. I don't care if it has your name on it. I don't care if it has your address. If you did not order that thing, do not receive it. Tell the carrier to go back, return to sender. Address on okay. No such no okay. Amen. Praise God. No such don't okay. Amen. Amen. So Philippians chapter four verse uh, Philippians chapter four verse nineteen. Uh, we want to just look at that. Uh, the book of Philippians is an absolutely amazing book. It is the book where the apostle Paul is not correcting as he does in other books like the Corinthian books. He's actually celebrating these individuals. And I almost want to liken the gathering place to the book of Philippians. That if I had a book to choose, that I would reflect on my experience, uh, come November would be a year when we got that phone call to come over here. November is going to make it one year since my phone rang, and on the other hand was an anointed man of God saying, I believe I'm hearing from God. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Thank God for that man and woman of God who said, will you come? And so I really look at this and, and, I, and I, can, I see myself and, and Megan, we see yourself leading a Philippian church. Because he says in this church, no other church communicated unto me with giving and receiving except you. Now here is the Apostle Paul who was on three missionary journeys, made a lot of impact and inroads. And he's now he's in prison. The Roman, he, the Rome, uh, Roman, uh, Rome had imprisoned him. And he's sitting in prison. He's writing this letter. And he says, hmm, the Philippian church. What can I think about them? What can I reflect about them? And he says, the joy. That praying for you was full of joy. It wasn't a prayer like, oh, gosh, God, you gave me these people. What am I going to do with these knuckleheads? And these stiff-necked people and these stubborn people like Moses had to lead the people through. He says, no, this particular group of people, they bring joy when I just mention their name. When I just say the Philippian church, I just, I get this overwhelming joy that my prison becomes a prayer room. And my prison becomes a praise place. You see, when I think about the Philippian church, my outside circumstances change because I know what's on the inside of me and the heart. Gather place, I see you as that. So, so this book is really, it, it's a book about joy and rejoicing throughout the entire text. We, we, we read Paul over and over and over again. says, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. And so there's a, there's a tremendous amount of of, uh, of connection that's taking place here um, in this particular book. And rightfully so, because in Philippians 4 verse 19, um, again, the original scriptures didn't have chapters and verses. This was one long letter that Paul was, was writing. 
And so he begins in the first verse and he, and he talks about this great relationship. And he says, he says, my deliverance, my deliverance, not deliverance from sin that already happened. When he accepted Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, his, his heart was changed. But he said, let's go deeper. Let's, let's go deeper. Someone say go deeper. go deeper. You see, you have to understand the backdrop. Is, let's go deeper into God. And he says, so your prayers on earth are affecting God who is in heaven. He says, so the love you have for me that's causing you to go on your knees is causing God who is in heaven to stand up. So as the church prays on their knees... You're causing God to stand up. Oh, come on. So when God stands up, he's ready to do something. He's ready to do something. And so Paul writes and he says to this church, thank you because of that, my deliverance is taking place. So, so as the church is on their knees praying... God now is sustaining. So as the church is on their knees praying, God now is sustaining. And Paul recognizes that the result of that is because of the Philippian church who's praying for me. He says, what an amazing demonstration of love. It is impossible to pray for someone and have issues in your heart. It's impossible. Jesus even says, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right because your prayers are so important that they cause a work to take place as in heaven, so on earth. And so the greatest thing you can do for Magon and myself, the greatest thing you can do for your marriage, the greatest thing you can do for any type of connection is to get on your knees and pray to the God of heaven. Because God wants to communicate and is communicating to you and I. So right now, at this point, what is hindering us then from receiving what God is declaring? Because I know people are praying and God is standing and he's sustaining. So the question is, what is the stronghold that's holding us back from receiving what God is doing? Does that make sense? So the issue is not God. And so now we get to Philippians 4 verse 19. And the Apostle Paul begins and he says this in Philippians 4 verse 19. He says, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So right there in the midst of that, he explains something That is happening in the invisible realm. He explains it now in the natural realm. And he begins by saying, my God. So for when we began this series on provision, we spent the last two Sundays then arguing and encouraging you to understand that God is the source of your provision. That has to be settled. If you want to be sustained through the famines and through the persecution and through the hard times, you have to understand God's ability to sustain you. Right? So it's in God we trust. It has to be that. 
There is no other God. The, the false God. There is no other God. The enemy is a liar. He is deceiver. There is no other God that is trying to compete with God. It, it doesn't exist. It is man and the work of man's hand and work of man's heart to have to worship something. And so we erect these things and we then give our worship because we've been designed for worship. We've been designed for worship. And so here it is now that the Apostle Paul says, and my God, he didn't say, and my gift, he didn't say, and my ability to withstand this pressure. He says, it's my God. So we got to know the God that the Apostle Paul is talking about. Because understand, to those who knew the Apostle Paul before his conversion, they would have to question, what God are you talking about? Because he thought he was serving the true God by persecuting the church. Until he had an encounter with God that changed everything. And so there are false gods that have become strongholds in our lives that are hindering us from receiving what God has for us and has crippled us. And you know what? It's also silenced us. And so Paul then says very loudly with a voice that's so deep in him for this Philippian church. And he says, my God is the source of provision. He says, I've learned when I have abundance to chill. And I've learned when I'm in lack to chill. He says, my circumstances change. And I can vary on either dimension. But when I center myself, there's a word. When I center myself on the cross, I have to say, my God. Someone say, my God. My God. Uh Uh-huh. My God. Now, it's one thing, he can just end the letter by just saying, right, Gladys? He can just say, my God, and that's sufficient. Close the book, let's go home, that's all we need to know. If you want to bring a revival to your school, just walk in and say, my God. You want to bring a revival to your workplace, just say, my God. Right? Because that's the start of your ministry. If your ministry is not based on my God, it's going to be the work of man's hand. It's going to be frustrating. Right? You're going to want to please man. You're going to believe the applause. But when you say, my God, you give all the credit back to God. And you make people understand there's no limit to what God can do when you say, my God. Now, there's limit to what I can do, but there's no limit to what God can do because he is the source of provision. And so we spent two Sundays on this. And the Lord wouldn't let me get off the story of Joseph. He said, I want you to stay on Joseph. So I'm declaring prophetically now. That there's something about Joseph. There is something that God wants his church to understand about Joseph. His name means increase. So if I start with his name, he said, my God will bring increase then. But we have to know how to receive it. So he can bring receiving for healing, receiving for deliverance, receiving for whatever it is. Don't limit God by thinking my circumstance and my problem is too big. Not too big for my God. My God. So the question is now, is, is how do we receive then from my God? And so we looked at that and, and we understand that who are we giving our trust to? Who are we giving our trust to? And so we then came to the conclusion that while we are waiting, it's not a waste of time. That we understand that God is in the waiting. Because we can obviously see the work of man's hand and the work of man's heart 
It's rigorous work. It is, it is rebellious work. It, 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 is, it is religious work. But when we see the work of God's, hand, God's heart and God's hand, we see that God is in the midst of the waiting. And so we are waiting. We are waiting. We are waiting. I think it was Reinhard Bunke who said this. And when God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said the Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep. It's the word. It means he hovered. But he said the Holy Spirit was hovering and waiting for the word. And so the Holy Spirit says, I, I can't move yet until I get a word. And God said, let there be, Woof, now I can work. And so what happens, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, not a dove, like a dove, is hovering over you because you're baptized in Christ. Come on, somebody. The old man is gone. The new man has been risen. And the Holy Spirit, now just like how he empowered Jesus, he said, I'm waiting for the command. Because I can sustain you. The Holy Spirit will sustain you through every challenge, through every situation. The Holy Spirit will sustain you. Thank God for His Holy Spirit. That's just, that's just hovering. That's just hovering. I was talking to a co-worker at work and she was sharing some stuff with me. And, and, and she says, you know, I, I don't want to pry in, in, in my children's affairs. I said, don't pry, hover. <laughs> when you go in that bedroom, baby, come on, hover over that bedroom. And just wait for that command from Jesus. Look over there. Oh, I see what you got. Come on. Just hover. Don't hound. Just hover. Because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what's going on. You walk into your workplace, just hover. Ah, come on, come on. See, because my God shall supply. And I was like, wow, Lord. And so the Holy Spirit is just waiting. Because he only does what Jesus, he sees. And Jesus only does what the Father sees. And they're in great harmony. They're in great harmony great harmony and so we, we we look at that and he is the source of provision and, and, I'm, and I'm hammering this home not because I think you're forgetful I'm hammering this home not because I think that we have nothing else to talk about I'm hammering this point home because to break the strongholds you have to understand that God is the source of your provision that we won't be distracted look elsewhere for provision so when they try to intimidate you at work you say hold on a second let's not get this thing twisted you are simply a vessel that God is using. Because as he did it with Joseph, he will do with me and bring increase into my life. And there are many people here who have stepped out in faith and saying, why did you make that decision? You're crazy. No, God's my source of provision. But what about your 401k, the 501k? It may not be there in a couple of years, but guess who's always going to be there? My God. My God, come on. I see it all the way from Genesis to Revelation that every time they try to snuff out the church, come on, and the more they afflicted them, the more they multiply. Do you know the fastest growing church where it exists? It's in Iran. It's in Iran. The fastest growing church in November, we're going to talk about praying for the persecuted church who are saying, my God. In other nations, who are saying, my God. Who are finding just a leaf, just one page of the Bible and holding on to it and thinking, if I could just get, my God. They find just one page and they hold on to it and says, my God. And he's bringing increase into their life. Right? So we know then that God is the source of our provision. And so because they're bringing in such persecution, look at God. He's saying, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. 
I'm at work here. So there are people you encounter and you think, oh my goodness, they can become nothing. No, God's working on them. Don't you give up on them yet. Come on. You've got to believe God's best for them. Don't give up on them because God is working. It's my God. It's my God. It's my God. And so I said all that. And this week, I had a, I had a, a drama prepared and I was going to, to do everything. And God's like, nope. Stay on Joseph. I'm like, Joseph again? He goes, stay on Joseph. Because now I'm turning the corner. And now I'm moved from just the source of provision to now the supply of provision. And so here it is now. Go to Genesis chapter 42, verse 28. And we're going to park it here for the remainder of our time together. Genesis 42, verse 28. He's saying, stay on Joseph. The four supplies, supply of provision. There are four things that the source of provision has given to you and I. And I want all those who are watching, all those who are listening, these four things, he has put them in your backpack and he sent you on this journey to do ministry. And he will sustain you through the famine. Read the Bible. There was a famine in the time of Abraham. Did God sustain Abraham? Yes, he did. There was a famine in the time of Isaac. Did God sustain Isaac? Yes, he did. There was a famine in the time of Jacob. And did God sustain Jacob? Yes, he did. So what famine are you facing that God won't sustain? There is nothing that you and I will go through. I'm not saying it will be easy. I'm saying God will sustain us. Some things are just really hard. I mean, it's difficult. If the truth be told, it's it's difficult. Megan's post that she wrote when she asked my question, how you doing? I'm glad when she paused and says, don't just don't give me the automatic answer. I said, thank you for asking. Thank you for asking how I'm doing. And for giving me time to just reflect. That I know God is good. I know that. He's the source of my provision. But not everything is good. And there's times when we're going to hurt. But we can see that he has supplied provision. Not just he's a source of provision, Brandy. No, no, no. He also supplies provision. That's the important thing the church needs to know. The church, and you've heard this before, and I'll say it again. We we are the answer. The church is the answer. The church is the answer. And he has supplied the church with everything we need to live godly lives, to live productive lives, and to walk in the prosperity of Jesus Christ. He gives everything. So in Genesis chapter 42, verse 28, the Bible says, So he said to his brothers, we don't know who was talking now. In this context, these are the sons of Jacob. And Joseph now, if you look at it earlier, let me back up to Genesis 42 at the beginning. Jacob now is experiencing a famine. And listen to what he says like a true father. Quit staring at each other and go do something. <laughs> In other words, go outside and play. Put down the Xbox. Come on. Put down the gadgets and the things that are distracting you from walking into your destiny. Jacob, as a parent, is saying, why are you all just staring at each other, questioning one another? In other words, get out of the house. Get out of the house. Because God is working. 
So we're sitting in the house, and there's famine, and the world is crying out, and we're staring at each other. And people are walking in, they say, this is religion. Nobody's saying anything. Let me go out this way and trust in some other God. Jacob now says, I heard there's provision in Egypt. In the world? He says, yeah, there is someone down in Egypt that is selling grain to the rest of the world. Joseph controlled the economy of the world. Joseph controlled the economy of the world. That every nation had to come to Joseph. And he was the one that was delegating resources. And God has not changed. And he's saying, I'm putting resources into your hands so nations will come to you. That nations will come to you. But we have to know how to receive what he's put in our hands. Because he knows our hearts. Oh gosh. He knows our hearts. And so here is Jacob now. And so they go down and he says, now watch fear come in. Joseph says, go get provision down in Egypt and look at fear how it just sneaks in. He says, I'm not going to send Benjamin though. You can all go, but Benjamin, son of my right hand, he has to stay right here with me. Because I remember what happened to his brother. Oof. The past is one of the greatest things that hinders us from stepping into our future and our destiny. It's what we remember that becomes a stronghold in our lives. And it hinders us from progressing into the things that God has for us. Jacob's destiny and his father and his grandfather were people of great faith. We're talking Abraham who was accounted as righteousness. We're talking Isaac. And here was Jacob now whose birth was miraculous and who God was with. He says, go down to Egypt, but I'm keeping the son of my right hand right beside me. Because last time you all were together... I lost something precious to me. And I can't risk losing something else to get. And automatically now, we void ourselves from receiving the provision of God because we're holding something back just like the enemy said God held something back from you. We go right back to that garden again and says, what? What did God hold back from me? Jacob was holding back. Benjamin. So God, you can have this, and you can have this, and you can have my child, but you can't have this pain right here. No, no, no. Uh, this has become my God now. It's a, it's a stronghold for me. It's, it's, it's given me my identity. Did I have permission to teach this morning? Watch this. I was reading this. The Supreme Court, the highest law in our nation. Supreme Court. So yesterday I went and returned some well-overdue library books, thanks to my daughter. 
I'm like hundreds of dollars. I'm like, my gosh. And I said, um, I brought these back. <laughs> so when you check them in, does the money go? And she says, well, if you already paid for it, we can't we can refund you. I said, no, I worked in the library before. I know when I bring it in, you just scan it and it goes away. Oh, come on. So in my carelessness, there was a fine imposed upon me. But when I brought the things back and they scanned it, it went away. There was a fine imposed upon me, but when I, when I came with these things, the fine was, was erased. And so it was all canceled. I said, praise God. Amen. I owe nothing. Praise the name of the Lord. Redemption. And so I now walk and I said, well, let me, let me, I'm working on this message, you know, the nakedness of a nation. And, I, and I'm studying why the, the mindset of ISIS, like what, 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 is, what is their objective? Um, because if we don't understand their objectives, we're going we're gonna to lose all the time. Now, I'm speaking prophetically, not politically, prophetically. And the number one thing of ISIS is they want land. They want resource. If I take territory, watch now, if I take territory, I have all the resources in that territory. So if I take territory, I have all the resources that are there. And I was reading this article and this one person wrote, it says their, their goal is to take land. So I was trying to find that, that article again. But, but I came across another article, and it was very interesting. And they were talking about the people of the year were the Supreme Court judges, justices. They said they, these are the people of the year for 2015. They made some bold decisions. It was a really, really uh, some bold things that came before the Supreme Court. I said, okay. So I'm reading something now that I never heard before. I'd never read it before. And, it, and, and so this particular writer put me in, in, in what they wrote... Um, brought me to the understanding of one of the justices that was on the bench of how they think. Because they're humans, right? It's the work of man's hand, work of man's heart, right? So they're going to they're gonna judge based on their own perception and values, right? Not right or wrong, it's just, it's just a human thing. That's what they're going to do, okay? Um, but this particular justice said something real interesting. In order to change the law, to line up with what they were saying... There was an understanding that had to take place. They said the Constitution protects identity, not behavior. Follow me. Don't let me lose you on this. Watch. The Constitution follows identity. It was a document that identified the nation called America. So this document would explain to us the founding fathers' principles for how we should govern ourselves. And as a nation, if we follow the Constitution, then we should be prosperous and liberty and justice for all, right? So the Constitution protects identity and not behavior. So what the justice had to do, I have to change that then. Because I'm legally bound to protect identity and not behavior. So I will make a behavior become an identity so I can then administer the law. So what the enemy did in the garden <laughs> was take a behavior and made it an identity. Boom, a stronghold was formed. And throughout the life of Adam and Eve, from that time forward, they've been asking, who am I? 
And so we as a church now, watch this now, don't let the enemy confuse us with behavior to speak to the identity. That's why when someone's under the influence of a demonic spirit, you say, who are you? You speak to the identity so you can fix the behavior. And so if we continue as a church to talk about the behavior, they'll call us religious, they'll call us that we're homophobic, they'll call all kinds of names because all we're focused is on the behavior. When in reality, we need to focus on the identity. And when Jesus stepped into the realm called earth, he says, I'm here, I'm the son of God. He started with identity first and then he went ahead and addressed the behavior. That was good, Rowan. Praise God. And so God is supplying us with provision now so we can go and speak to an identity, amen, somebody, and we can let them know who they are so they can receive what God has for them so their behavior will change because they know who they are. And once we know who we are, we'll get in that boat and we'll get to the other side and we will tell people, I know who I am. It's a question of identity. My gosh. It's a question of identity. And so here is Jacob now. Here he is saying, listen, go down there and buy grain to prove my point about behavior and identity. I told you last time we were talking about this. What happened? What happened when Joseph's brother showed up? What did Joseph do? What did he do? His behavior was because he hid his identity. Just give you a Bible. He said, they won't know who I am. Hides his identity so I can justify my behavior. He treated him roughly. But the moment we're going to see, the moment he identified who he was, his behavior changed. Because on the other side of Joseph's identity was their freedom. Oh, good God. So when you know who you are, and you know whose you are, people then can see that and can know who they are and whose they are. So stop hiding your identity because it's affecting your behavior. And here it is now that Joseph first hides his identity and his behavior was one where he was treating his brothers roughly. And God said, I'm here to fix both of you. Good God Almighty. I'm here to fix Joseph and I'm here to fix Jacob because you can't have this thing of holding back to receive what I'm trying to give you. Ooh. Come on. Don't hold back from God. Give him all that you got. Give it all. Give it all. So here it is now. Here it is. That he goes. And Jacob now issued something in his children because he's father. He issued a perpetual fear. He issued what we call karma. A Hindu Buddhist term that is spiritualized to represent cause and effect. And so because I do this, this is bound to happen. And it's not faith, it is fate. F-A-T-E. That our destiny is controlled outside of us. And so innocently we come in and we use this terminology. Why? Because it sounds good. And so here we see how, how it was a stronghold. And so Jacob now issues something into his issues something into his children. And so they go down now and Benjamin is now with them. And they get there. And, and here it is now that Joseph does the things he's doing. But God is working on his heart. Someone say, God's working on my heart. 
It doesn't matter what Joseph's dialect was, God was working on his heart. It doesn't matter what Joseph was dressed in, God is working on his heart. I know you have the garment back with your daddy, but the garment's gone. I know you had your garment in Potiphar's house, but that garment's gone. I know you had the garment in the prison, but that garment's gone. I know you had the garment amongst Pharaoh, but that garment's gone. God has said, I'm working on your heart. I'm exposing everything, Joseph. Because what they need is your identity, Joseph. Not your behavior. And when God finished working on Joseph's heart, it says he wept. He went alone and he cried. I have this conflict inside of me. I want to be mad at them. It was their fault. It was, it was what they did. I, I want to be mad. God, let me be justified to be mad. God, I can't have you. I'm the source of provision, but I'm also the supplier of provision. And I want to use you to bring my name and bring glory to my name. You have to, Joseph, understand it was me all the time. It was me all the time. It was always me all the time. Joseph, it was me all the time. It was, it was me in the pit. It was me. It was me in the palace. It was me in the prison. Joseph, it was always me. AJ, it's always been God. It's always been God. It's, it's always been God, Steve. It's always been God. I know we try to identify something else, but it's always been God. We just never received Him. We gave glory to something else. But it's always been God. He desires our freedom more than anybody else. It's always been God. He said, I want to supply you with provision. I want to supply you with this. And so Joseph now, Joseph's heart is now changed. And he locks him up in prison. In reality, Joseph was reflecting how he was feeling. Our outward expression is an inward reflection of how we're doing. And so the prison that Joseph put them in was not a physical prison. It was his own. Yes, it was physical, but it was Joseph's own prison. And after three days, someone say three days. days. (laughs) Oh, God, I thank God. Because even Jesus, when he went into prison, come on, call the tomb. After three days, come on, there was a resurrection. It all depends on how you see that prison. Because here it was now that Joseph locked him in prison. But in three days, there was a resurrection, a change of mind, a repentance took place. And Joseph now said, okay, I'm not going to do what I wanted to do. That was revenge. I can't flow like that because I will continue the perpetual cycle of these strongholds and it will cause my family forever to walk in the stronghold. We call those those Goliaths, those things that need to die, that we have generations that are walking in things that we were supposed to destroy. Strongholds are over our life because we did not know how to receive from God. And because we know how to receive from God, they're walking in challenges and struggles and all those things. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is saying to you and he's saying to me that I want to break every stronghold and you've got to get out of that prison because if you stay in that prison too long there won't be a resurrection you'll stink you'll smell like death oh I feel the Holy Spirit saying to tell someone today roll back the stone because Jesus is about to command a resurrection. Where did you lay that thing in that prison? Where is that thing that died that you think you need? Where is it? I'm coming to resurrect and roll back the stone. I am the resurrection and the life, saith God. And I'm speaking over your life right now. Come forth. Thank you, God. 
come forth. Come forth. And here it is now. He gets to this place of where the first thing we see in the supply, what God wanted Joseph to understand was the importance of the provision of relationships. He did all of that from the dream he gave him at the beginning when he was a young boy to now in this place of 30 years old, 20 years, you know, years have transpired, and here he is now. God is saying, I want you to understand, Joseph, it's always been and will always be about relationships. The first thing. Yeah. It's always about relationship. In Genesis chapter 2, God said, let us make man in our likeness and our image. Relationships was God's idea. It was his idea. He says resources, provision is going to come through relationship. Let's make man our likeness in our image. And so here it is now. Here it is that this relationship is there. So we have Jacob, relationship with his sons. We have the brothers with their relationship on their way to Joseph. We have Joseph, his relationship with his brothers. Or Joseph, the relationship with the other nations. We have then Joseph's relationship with his brothers. Everywhere, everywhere this Bible speaks of relationship. Everywhere. It's all about relationship. Every word, everything is about relationship. You are not alone. You can't do this thing by yourself. I need you. You need me. We need each other to accomplish God's purpose for my life. There is no way. I am not that gifted to do what God's called me to do. I need your help. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. And throughout the entire scripture, God is saying, understand that. Because to receive me, my provision is going to come through relationships. Even Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, prayed and said, God, who would you have me to pick to be my apostles? And he selected 12 individuals so they can be with me. Here was Jesus who had an intimate relationship with the Father. But still he needed relationships. He needed relationships. And so it goes on and, and we see this relationship and then God begins this relationship first with him. And then he begins the relationship and says, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to make you a helpmate. And so therefore he then extends the relationship outside of Adam and Eve. He extends the relationship between man and woman. And here it is now that they become helpmates one for another. And we see the beauty and the glory of God that's taking place. It was beautiful. It was harmonious. It was God's original design that even Jesus said in the book of of Mark, I believe. He said, didn't you read from the beginning? God made them male and female. He goes right back to this Genesis account. Jesus goes right back to the account of the Father in creation. Emphasizing the importance of relationship. But watch this now. The brothers were sent after three days in prison. Joseph sends them back to the Father. And he makes this transaction with them. So they give him the money. He gives him the grain. They're like, okay, a transaction took place. There was an interaction. I have a need. I supplied the need. I now took the money you gave me. I have it now. Even exchange. Does that make sense? So they came with the need. I need grain. Not they needed anything else. Grain was important because it kept the livestock alive. They had other resources, but those just couldn't keep the livestock, the economy going. So they needed a specific thing. They needed grain. They were specific in what they needed. And so therefore, here it is now, that Joseph does a transaction. He says, fine, I'm going to give this to you. One of you are going to stay here, but we're going to send the rest of you back. And as they are journeying now, they have this relationship now. They have a relationship with Joseph. He's hiding who he is, but yet God is still working. And so now Joseph provides for them with this even exchange. They were even, but so they thought. Ooh, Holy Ghost, you're all over me. They thought they were even. It was an even exchange. You do this for me, I'll do that for you. 
You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Come on, isn't that how we do relationships, right? You do this, I'll do this. I'm not going to go any further than what you're going to go. I'm not going to go over here if you don't go over there. You step there, I'll step there then. And the moment someone stops doing what they're supposed to be doing, the relationship falls apart. Not transaction, we call those. Transactional relationships. They don't go any further than that. Right? And in the church, we're just transactional because we're in the same building. Can't run from you. I've been here for a long time, so I'm staying here. Well, I'm staying here too. We're going to stay so you can outstay each other. And that's the extent of our relationship. People walk in and there's no smile on your face and you look miserable. They're like, I'm getting out of here. Because y'all are having a great time by yourself. Let me not come in and mess this up. You just, and, and that's what happened. And so now they're on their journey back and they're like, we, we lost one. Reuben goes, didn't I tell you guys not to touch the boy? So the father brings up the past. I sent, I sent you guys before. You, you, you lost Joseph. Reuben now, was, they're, they're, they see what's happened to him. He says, karma, look what happened to us. I told you not to touch the boy, karma. This is because of what we did. I told you, Reuben, I told you not to touch the boy. Reuben, the first one. I told you, leave the guy alone. I didn't understand his dream as well, but leave the boy alone. And so here it is now that we see that there is, that there is starting to develop this thing in them. And so they're on their journey, and, and it, it was night, and they said, okay, our livestock needs to eat, so let's open up our book bag, let's open up our knapsack, and let's give them the grain that was an even exchange. And so they open up, and they not only saw the grain, they saw their money. And here is to my point. You ready for this? Genesis 42, verse 28. Watch this now. Watch this now. So he said to his brothers, who? We don't know who said it. In verse 28 of Genesis 42. My money has been restored. The second provision that God has given. Not just relationship, but he wants to have it where it's restored now. And he says, my money, my money, the very thing that many of us look at as a means of our action. Money is a reflection of our time and our labor. It is what we're in relationship to. And so therefore, watch this now. He says, my labor has been returned. But the money that they use, perhaps could have been the money they used when they sold Joseph. When they sold Joseph and they got the silver. Come on, somebody. The word silver means a great desire. So they desired Joseph's dream to die. And they so desired it that they were willing to take a price for it. And they took the silver that was meant to destroy. And watch Joseph now. He restores it back. Keep your money. Because it's blood money. Oh, God. Woof. And just like Judas, when you allow the enemy to get into your heart, and he says, I will sell out the Son of God. And he says, how much? 30 pieces of silver. And all of a sudden now, when there was a relationship, that even though Judas betrayed Jesus, come on somebody, when he looked into the face of the Savior, he says, what did I just do? Oh my God. And he runs back to the religious people. He says, here is your money back. It's blood money. He throws it into the treasury. to the treasury and the religious folks says that money has blood on it take the money and look at what they did with the money if you read the book of Acts they took the money you ready for this and bought land oh God they took territory with the money so he can commit suicide 
terrorist act. He committed suicide because, because the enemy lied to him. And it was a stronghold. He didn't know who Jesus was. And so his behavior confused him. When he didn't overthrow the Roman government, it confused him. When he didn't come and wipe out all the people, he said, get them back, Jesus. Yes, get them back. It's your turn now, Rome. All you've done to us now. Look, our Savior's there. So I'm just like, I got seven brothers. Oh, wait till my brother shows up. Or wait till I bring AJ. You know what I'm saying? He's going to fix you. You're picking on me, but wait, AJ's coming. Huh? And when he gets there, he's going to show you a thing or two. And that's what they thought. And Jesus' behavior didn't reflect that. He was preaching to the poor. He was doing ministry to those who needed him. He was casting out devils. He was doing all kinds of things. It says, what? Who is this guy? I might as well sell him out then because he's not behaving like I expected. And here it is now that they opened up their sack and they looked in and they saw their money. It was restored back to them. And look at what they said. They said this. Then their hearts failed them and they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God has done to us? They couldn't shake the stronghold of their past. And they were being restored. That what they looked at was a one-dimensional relationship. God says it's more than I'm going to restore back to you. Because I'm committed to you guys. And they couldn't receive the provision of God because they thought it was karma. I deserve this. And guilt kept in, crept in. Guilt came in and they were paralyzed and their heart failed. They questioned the transaction that just took place. That they told their daddy... They thought we were spies. Now they're going to think we were thieves. And if we go back to Egypt, our faith for sure will be destruction. But God will never let a nation who fears Him ever, ever get to a place of where they cannot walk in God's design and God's destiny and God's purpose for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he brings relationship. He now restores it. And here's what he wants. He wants it to receive his provision. Receive his provision. And we looked through this. And see, we saw this take place not first with Jacob's brother. We saw this take place because of Adam. When God came down and says, hey, who told you you were naked? He says, well, the woman you gave me, God. God, it was you. You gave me this woman. God, you gave me this church. God, you gave me this. God, you gave me this. God, you gave me this. It's great when things are going great, but all of a sudden when things are, well, God, it's you now. It's you now. And listen to what they said. Here's what they said. They, they now turned. They said, watch this. God, you've done this. You have done this. You have done this. What God gave them was not a contract. God gave them a covenant. God gave them a covenant. And what the church has been operating under is a contract as opposed to a covenant. And if you want to receive the provision of God, you have to walk and understand the covenant that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 
So the very act what they were doing by giving and killing the animal and sticking the garment in there and bringing it to Joe Jacob, the very act of killing the animal, Joseph, a type of Christ, by killing the lamb, by dipping it in blood and bringing it to the Father. They were paying the redemptive price. Come on. When the enemy said, show me the money. God says, I'll show you the money. Come on, somebody. I'll show you the price. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He was like a lamb slain before the world. Come on, somebody. And his blood poured out and God said, I can now redeem him. I have legal access. There was a provision in the clause. Safety to understand, I made provision in the clause because guess what? Jesus Christ was crucified from the foundation of the world. Come on, somebody. That before I even created the world, Jesus was already crucified. I made provision for their behavior so they'll never forget who they are. I made provision for their behavior because they will know who they are. And so when they reached out and took the fruit and ate the fruit, come on somebody. The Bible says they tried to cover their nakedness and it didn't work. But here we see now that Jesus, God now came and he said he took the animal skin and he wrapped it around them and clothed them. That's the first sign we see of God's redemptive work, restoring back this relationship so he could provide for them. Because outside of that, their new environment, they couldn't function in that environment. They stepped out the glory of God but God I'm going to cover them for a moment I'm going to cover them and while they're waiting I'm going to be working because I see the cross and while they are waiting I'll be doing things that show forth my glory show forth my provision and I led them now to the cross so just like the brothers just like the brothers who didn't understand Joseph's destiny is the religious folks who don't, didn't understand Jesus' identity. And here they went and, and crucified him. And, and the apostle says, hey, hey, you were doing the work of God. You were doing the work of God to bring a relationship, restoration, so you can receive. So you can receive. Your relationship with God is not a contract. Your relationship with God is a covenant. It's a covenant that was sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Your relationship is a covenant with God. He's covenant with you. And if we walk in covenant, we will see this nation receive the glory that God has for him. Let me end with this. To wrap this up and bring my point home. Stop investing in the federal conscience fund. There is a fund in America... It's called the Federal Conscience Fund. It's for those who want to give back to the government things they rob from the government, like taxes or whatever. It was the first one was five dollars was given to the Madison administration. And so what they're saying is this that you can without giving your identity, if you can't sleep at night, because you're tossing and turning because you know there's guilt, there's something you didn't do. Take the guilt away by going down to the federal conscience fund and take your resource and give it to this account. They'll receive it. I'm here to tell you, let's bankrupt that account. Quit putting your money come on, into the guilt fund because you're looking at your behavior and you're not seeing who you are. It's counterproductive. You got to know who you are and it will change your behavior. 
I'm not preaching light on sin. Come on, no. What I'm actually preaching is how to eradicate sin. That when you understand who you are, your behavior will change. Because you're making investment to some fund. Either you're funding your faith or you're funding the guilt. One of the two. When I read that, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's a fund for the United States government. For those who want to appease the guilt. That they can give their money. They don't have to give who they are. No name. But they fully take it, don't they? They'll take it, right? This one individual, when I read it, he said this. He said, I can't sleep at night. Here's $100. One person gave back a postage stamp that they took from when they were working for the Naval Academy. There was all these different accounts of where they just, I can't sleep at night. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lie down. I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to get a dream from God. Come on. I'm, try, I'm trying to get a dream from God. And I'm laying down. But I'm tossing and turning because I remember something in my past. I remember. I remember something I did. Oh, let me get some money. Let me get some resources. Let me go fund the guilt account so I can feel good for a moment. But I got to go back again because I still feel the guilt. And I, I got to go back again. Stop all that energy. That's it. That's it. We end right there. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, it washed away my sin. I know we got a generation. You can't talk about the blood. We're not talking about being cannibals. We're talking about a relationship. We're talking about a covenant. We're talking about a Savior who died, who bled for this nation. Yes, I thank God for all those who served in the great uh, the United States Army and those who served in the Marines and all the armed services who shed their blood for this nation. But I'm here to tell you that there's one who shed his blood for this nation. His name is Jesus Christ. He paid the price for our sin. And now we have to say, what is this that God is doing? He's bringing redemption. Receive his redemption. Receive what he's doing. He has supplied the provision. He has supplied the provision. So what is holding us back from receiving from God? It's our conscience. We connect our behavior to our identity. And when we know our behavior has reached its full limits, we give it a name. Because we have to change its identity. This understanding reached the highest office of our legal system, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. That because of this understanding, they were able to justify decisions that they make. So the people receive the law given from them because they said we have to change our behavior and make it identity so we can protect it. And God is here to tell you who is all authority. That I made a provision in this thing when I created man. You're not plan B, baby. Come on, somebody. You're not plan B. You are in my bosom before the foundation of the world. You were inside my heart before the foundation of the world. That's why my hand had to do what my heart was telling me. You are in the, the heart of God and His hand is on you. Receive His provision now. Gather in place. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. Whoo! Hallelujah! What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
Oh, oh, receive the work of God. Receive the finished work of Christ. I can't have you gather in place, walk around with guilt anymore. I can't have you operate under the past weight of the things you've done. You are free in Jesus' name to receive the love of God He has for you. What has God supplied to you, my brothers and sisters? What is it that God has given to you? He has given you first relationship. Gather place, we're in this thing together. I said this and I'll say it again, and God constantly challenging me with this to make sure my heart is right. If you leave this building, you'd never leave the body. You're here for the season that God has you here, and some of your seasons will be longer than others. We welcome that relationship. Make your contribution. Honor God, love God, know who you are. But in the gathering place, we desire to build healthy relationships. The only reason why we can connect is because not of our skin color, not because of our economic situation, but because we are human beings. We have red blood that unites us together. And so we will show Marion, we will show this city, we will show this state what it's like to come together and work together because we have the heart of God. Are you hearing me gather in place? I accepted this assignment because God knows that He wants to do a great work in your life. And today, this day, you will receive God's work and you will bankrupt the federal conscience fund. Stop putting your money in that thing. It's depleting resources we need. Instead of being guilty, God wants you to be generous. The next thing, He wants to restore your marriage. He wants to restore your relationship. He wants to restore your sons and daughters. He wants to restore. God is about restoring. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jessica, when you go to Haiti, the message you're going to bring to them is I'm here because of relationship. My heart beats for you. And God has restored you. I know the hurricane came in, but don't say, what is this that God is doing? Contributing that hurricane to God. Isn't it interesting they have to name the hurricane? Isn't it interesting? Because of the behavior. And they can't always predict the behavior. Oh God. But they can follow because they give it a name. I want you to receive. Come on, I got five minutes. I want you. Lift your hands up in this place. Come on, come on. Receive, receive, receive the provision. Receive the provision. Of Jesus, receive It is my victory. If you know that, come on, lift your voice and sing it here. The blood of Jesus washes me. Joseph's brother stripped him of the garment and they slain an animal and what a 
garment in the animal's blood behavior goes back to the father the father is this Joseph's garment the father says yes I recognize the garment and I see the blood Jesus <laughs> was stripped of his garment and they beat him and his blood was all over him they pierced him in his side and blood and water came out the behavior of the religious people but Jesus says father forgive them for they know not what they do father forgive them they don't know what they're doing their behavior oh God and Jesus then the son of God went back to the father and said father here it is and God says I recognize the blood when I see the blood I'll pass over when I see the blood I'm going to pass over when I see the blood I'm going to pass over receive his provision gather in place your ministry depends on this one thing here your ministry your calling your gifts your family your marriage your relationships it all depends right here on the blood come on lift your voice and sing it that that did what come on it is come on lift your voice and sing it now oh the blood of Jesus washes me father bless your people bless your people bless your people bless your people father bless your people father bless your people 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 father we thank you we thank you for what you're doing in our lives if you don't know Jesus Christ you didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you that's the first thing say Pastor Ro I've been living in guilt for too long if you're here and you've been living in guilt and you have been funding that account it's time to deplete that account you need to come let me pray for you and let's break that stronghold together come on stop funding stop funding that particular account if that's you if that's you come on if that's you it is my victory Right where you are, right where you are, right where you are. Abba Father, we give you the praise and the glory. We thank you. We thank you. What is this that God has done? The answer, he has supplied you and I with provision. That's what he has done. It's not karma. It's Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And what he has done. And my heart for you, my Philippian church, is this. With joy, with joy, receive the provision of my God who shall supply all of your need. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I've shared what you put in my heart to share. And with confidence, I believe that they are receiving your provision, your supply of provision. They're receiving it now. They're receiving it now. In the mighty name of Jesus, they're receiving it in the form of a revelation. That's it. That's it. They're receiving it in the form of a revelation. A rhema word, Lord God. A rhema word that you're speaking. Come on, somebody to receive that. A rhema word right now. Receive that rhema word about the provision of God. The supply of God is coming in a form of a rhema word. Every single word. I'm inviting the church to spend this week in prayer. Praying fast if you're so led. But we want to be in prayer and thanking God for his provision. Thank God for his provision. We're praying this week and thanking God for his provision. One more time. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Shed for me. Yes.